Welcome to the voice of St. Anthony Parish in Alston, Massachusetts, and it is Thursday, and as you know, on Thursday, we bring you the Daughters of St. Paul. Sister Helena Burns is giving us her fourth in her series on the theology of the body. Hey folks, this is Sister Helena Burns from the Daughters of St. Paul in Jamaica Plain. We're continuing our series on theology of the body, John Paul II's masterwork, his life's work that is filtering all over the world, uh, getting down to the grassroots, actually kind of came from the grassroots because it was addressed to everyone in the church and and beyond. And um, and the people, it was it was just simple, regular, everyday people who, who started eating it up <laughs> and were the ones to actually spread it. So we were going through 10 reasons why John Paul II was the appropriate guy to give us theology of the body. Because I think when you, when you hear about something so wonderful and amazing and everybody's excited about it, you start to ask, well, <clears throat> where did it come from? <clears throat> Who's the originator of this, right? <clears throat> and why should it be John Paul II? So we were giving 10 points why John Paul II it was uniquely poised to give us this beautiful teaching that's life-changing. You, you can't not apply it to your life. It's not one of those head trips because it's theology of the body. <laughs> it's not theology of the mind. It's theology of the body. So uh, we were on point number eight last week as to why he is the one to give us the theology of the body. And we were saying that he lived under both the Nazi and communist regimes in his home country of Poland. And he saw their cruel, utilitarian view of the human person as a cog in a machine, um, somebody who was assigned value or not by very cruel, um, just barbaric people who, who, who had no respect for life. Um, it didn't matter if you were a child or a woman or a man or a who, who the heck you were. Um, you were expendable because it was all for an idea, an ideal, an ism. Um, these people were ideologues, you know, who had invaded his country and caused so much suffering and, and mayhem and murder and everything. So he, um, as a young man, he had a lot of Jewish friends. He played on the Jewish kids soccer team. He was a goalie and he saw some of his friends disappear, you know, um, Jewish and non-Jewish alike. And he was in the underground seminary. Uh, they, they, the, the Nazis came in and closed all the seminaries. And so if you were in training in secret and they caught you, you were, you were executed. So he was, he lived very dangerously, lived on the edge there and he had some really good Jewish friends all of his life. And one of them even wrote a book, um, Jersey, his friend Jersey. And then they used to go and visit him. His friends from Poland used to, you know, when he was Pope, they'd go visit him at the Vatican. And and again, let's, let's dwell on the idea of John Paul II living under the Nazi and communist regimes. And then when he was Archbishop and Cardinal Archbishop of Krakow, he had to stand up to them. He had to fight for things and... Um, and it wasn't easy. And, you know, you put your life at risk, really, for speaking out. You could be assassinated and stuff. So so let's remember that John Paul II is not just dialoguing or addressing the sexual revolution of the 60s 
with his theology of the body. He's going back even further to these other ways of looking at the human person, looking at the human body that are just as anti-human and actually anti-body and certainly anti-God, anti-creator. So here are some of the isms that he does address, some directly and some indirectly. Hedonism, the Enlightenment, Deconstructionism, the French Revolution, Relativism, the Reformation, Descartes, Kant, Freud, Nietzsche, Marx, and ancient errors like Manichaeanism, Gnosticism, Dualism. So sometimes when I'm advertising a Theology of the Body product or a piece of media or a talk, I, I put it in quotes, Theology of the Body, fighting isms and crazy ideas about the body since 1974, because <laughs> that's when he wrote The Theology of the Body, started writing it. So, and again, not that all of those things I mentioned are, are completely in error or wrong, but they get some really big things wrong about the human person and the human body. And John Paul II, uh, you know, his first encyclical was Redeemer of Man, the Redeemer of Man on Jesus Christ. But I remember when I first read that, I said, well, when is he going to talk about Jesus Christ? He's talking about mankind and the dignity of man, the dignity of man. And I remember thinking, that's not very religious for a pope to be talking about the dignity of man, the dignity of man. But he knew our world really um, needed that. And again, you know, if you if you go all one way and you just believe in man and not believe in God, you end up trashing humanity because there's nothing to hold you back. You're, you're now God who can pronounce on human beings, whether they're worthy or not. Um, and also, on the other case, too, if you, if you just get all super religious, it's called fideism, where you leave behind reason and you just go all to this sort of spiritual faith-based something or other, you can turn against man, too, and start trashing what is human. So we don't want rationalism, which is leaves God out of the picture. And, and I don't mean being rational. Being rational is great. Reason is great. But when that's all you think you need and that's all you have to inform you about what's what, just reason, rationalism, you'll, you'll wind up trashing humanity. And if you just go to fideism and you leave reason behind, and fide means faith in Latin, uh, you can wind up trashing humanity too in the name of God, right? We've seen plenty of that, right? So JP too, he was all about faith and reason. He has another wonderful encyclical called Faith and Reason. <laughs> it's actually my favorite encyclical of his. Encyclical is just a letter of the Pope. And you can still get that free online. Fides et ratio is the Latin term. So he knew that if we had to, we can't just say Jesus says love everyone, or we can't just say those things. We have to do a lot of underpinning to help people also who don't believe in God as to why we should respect one another, what, what this great human dignity we have, each one of us has. Number nine reason why John Paul II was the guy to give us theology of the body. He was a mystic in love with God, who is the source of all love and life and knowledge and happiness and all good things. And that's why John Paul II could write so truly and eloquently about sex, the body, beauty, love, and relationships. And last but not least, number 10, John Paul II loved the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
he actually um, took her as his motto, totus tuus. He had a big M on his coat of arms. And totus tuus is Latin for all yours. And that's part of a, a prayer of consecration where we say, I am all yours and all that I possess, I offer to you, my lovable Jesus, through Mary, your most holy mother. So he early on put himself under Mary's protection. He lost his mom um, early on. He lost his whole family, actually, one after the other. His brother um, was a doctor, young doctor, died. His dad was in the military. He died. His mom died when I think he was not too old, maybe between ages 12 and 18. So he had great esteem, love, and respect, gratitude, and admiration for women. So... And he lived that. I mean, he said one time, I am the feminist pope. And he was. What he meant by that is, I believe in the true full dignity of women. And he wrote on the dignity and vocation of women. He wrote a letter to women. Um, He wrote a little, great little document that nobody's read. You can also get that free online called Women Teachers of Peace. And he never addressed men. He never wrote a letter to men. (laughs) He never did on the dignity and vocation of men. And some guys today are kind of like, hey. But he did write Guardian of the Redeemer on St. Joseph. That's quite a hefty little encyclical um, where he's actually outlining um, the vocation of men as well. So what did he mean by feminist? Well, because feminism can mean many different things. And you'd say, John Paul II was not a feminist. He was the farthest thing. No, 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 no. Feminism means, in its most basic, to protect and promote women. And he did that. Um, They found out after he died that he had carried on voluminous correspondences with many women all over the world. Many of them mothers, scholars, doctors, professors, intellectuals. He wanted to understand women's perspective. He wanted their input to inform him and friendship. He wanted the feminine friendship. He didn't want to isolate himself with just a bunch of guys, cardinals and bishops and priests around him. So um, he, he was a very gregarious guy anyway, and he had a lot of friends and he kept his friends, solid friendships all through his life. But um, not just Vanda Patalska, who we talked about uh, before, but he had many close women friends, even a, a young lady he used to act with in, in the Rhapsodic Theater in Poland when he was an actor. He kept in touch with her, you know, So he understood women. Oh, and let me tell you a little story because we have time. When he came, one of the times that he came to the United States, uh, the, the bishops and cardinals asked him, get this, how can we make the church's teaching on sex appealing to people? Okay. I'm laughing because we all know what, what, what I'm, why I'm laughing, right? Um, but you know what he said? And, and here's like, here's the guy that just wrote Theology of the Body. I think that was his answer. But again, people were, were being really slow on the uptake of, of Theology of the Body should be in all the churches, all the schools, everywhere. People should be conversant with it. We should be using the language of Theology of the Body today like, like breathing, like it should be second nature to us. But we'll get there. We'll get there. This is what John Paul II said to the bishops who asked him, how do we make the Catholic Church's teaching on sexuality appealing to people? He put his head down and he said, it is necessary to understand the soul of a woman. Bingo, period. 
What does he mean by that? Women have the lion's share of sexuality. You want to understand sexuality? You've got to look at women. You've got to talk to women about their experience of sexuality and pregnancy and motherhood and breastfeeding and all all the nine yards and giving birth and all of that, right? That has to inform any approach to human sexuality. So, okay, so that's how he's the feminist. That's one way he's the feminist pope. Anyway, I think that's one of the best answers ever given in history to any question. Um, We're almost running over time, so I'm going to stop now and we'll pick it up again next week. Thank you for listening and God bless. Thank you, sister. And keep in mind, the Pauline store is now open. Route 1 South in Dedham, right across from Legacy Place. And you can still find them online at paulinestore.com. That's paulinestore.com. Have a blessed day.